Welcome into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Every single day, if it's a big deal to the BBN, it's a big deal to us, and we are going to talk about it, dissect it, pull apart, put it back together, and then uh, pat ourselves on the back, and then point a thumbs up at you. My name is J. Kyle Mann, and I'm a, a video <laughs> producer for The Ringer, and I'm joined, as always, by... Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Yes, Kyle has has sort of a softness in his voice right now because he is a road weary, uh, dad weary, uh, parenting weary, uh, beaten down shell of a man uh, who <laughs> traveled traveled you, with with uh, to- twin toddlers in an airplane today. That was not fun. Yeah, you, you sound like garbage, man. You sound terrible. So you yeah, sorry you, about that. No, you're fine. You just sound tired. So you. You trek, you trek down to Florida for a little, uh, little, little yeah, relaxation. Just a, just a quick uh, in and out uh, uh, respite before the. Not much. Not, I don't know why we thought that would be like a uh, relief to anybody involved to drag twin toddlers uh, down to the beach, but uh, we tried and uh, they were all right. Just uh, <laughs> dr- dr- drug them up, you know. Uh, no, I didn't drug him. I did bring some Benadryl just in case, but uh, I think that's child abuse, so I didn't give it to him. But yeah, uh, and, and and here's one thing I'll tell you: uh, no matter what your stance is, and especially if your stance is like oh, screen time, you know, uh, get your kids on a long trip somewhere uh, when they're toddlers, you'll just jam a screen in front of their face and let them watch whatever they want to watch, or you'll be the parents dragging them by their hair through the, screaming through airports and gas stations so uh all the screen time rules went out the window and we bought them little uh like tablets little kid tablets that are like (laughs) padded to the highest degree so they could just throw them out a moving vehicle and they probably wouldn't break um we got them little headphones and let them watch whatever the heck they wanted to watch so so a little opiating is fine in terms of <laughs> digital opiating. Yeah, yeah. You sit in front of yeah, sit in front of this little uh, dopamine dispensing uh, glowing rectangle. Yeah. And, uh, watch all the garbage cartoons you want. So as long as you're quiet for just a be, little bit. Maybe some buttheads a cartoon, right? I let them. <laughs> I let them. <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons and uh, Big Mouth is fine, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just think about like when I was a kid, like my, my parents didn't really want me to watch the Simpsons. I always, I did. Oh, yeah. They didn't really we, crack that, the whip on me on that one. But they, well, they, if they saw me watching it, it was like, you know, no, we don't want you to, but I can't imagine like big mouth now. It's that like that tells thousand. you how much, yeah, how much the world has changed just all the way across the board. Like the Simpsons was like a really controversial thing with a lot of like conservative parents. And, oh yeah, uh, and my grandmother like spearheaded like a, a letter writing campaign in my hometown to write Fox and tell them like how how just despicable it was that The Simpsons Bart was so disrespectful to his parents <laughs> and, and, and what a message it was sending 
to the children of America. It's pretty amazing. Meanwhile, meanwhile, The Simpsons was probably more realistic to how families really are oh, than yeah, like absolutely. any show before. Like the, the you know the fumbling. Now, I didn't have like a bumbling dad. My dad's really smart and really calculated. I couldn't yeah. relate to that. But I mean, for some families, yeah. No, I'm absolutely. Sure. Dad's a dad's an idiot. Mom's holding it all together. You know, <laughs> smart smart sister, uh, delinquent brother. And then like the, the toddler, like the last kid is just like getting away with, you know, murder because. <laughs> yeah. But it's like yeah. what Bart said, fart and eat my shorts and, you know, crap and, and hell and damn. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. you know what? This, this being a Kentucky sports podcast, we'll. Uh... Today was an interesting day. Uh, Kentucky did their, their pro day, which has become a, a thing that Cal started where, you know. They bring in these crews that do these pro days. Now there are there are companies that officially come in and log this information. It's become like a little mini industry. It's an interesting uh, sort of a mobile combine sort of a thing. And Kentucky was one of the, to my knowledge, the first school the to first, do that. Think, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Cal Cal's been copied though. So you know, uh, Duke started doing it. Memphis did it. I'm sure. Have the other blue bloods done it? To my knowledge. Um. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm truly at some point they've all done it, but you know, Memphis is, is jumping into the mix. They haven't had theirs yet. Right. Their first one under Penny is going to be coming up soon. Probably. Man, I thought they already did it, but oh, maybe, maybe they I'm already th- did it. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of their madness thing that they did. I know you and I were like talking about just crashing it, just showing up and crashing, <laughs> the, cra- crashing the Memphis, uh, pro day to see. I mean, cause uh, you know, they surely could attract a lot of scouts with that roster they have. And, and more than anything, cause they have the guy that might be the number one pick. But uh, and James Wiseman, but yeah, I mean, we I think we nailed down last time we were talking about this. It's been at least since 2014 uh, that they've been doing this, so several years now, maybe maybe even earlier. Yeah, um, I, I feel yeah. I rem- they were showing clips from the 15 year, you know, I, and like I said, I remember the 16 team doing it. So it's at least 15. It might have been 14. It's crazy uh, though, like. Uh, that Calipari did this and has like it's on national television every year. It is. It's a. It is. It is like a claw your eyes out boring broadcast though. I don't care how into basketball you are, and I am like one of the nerdiest of the nerds. Yeah. Up at two a.m. tweeting about FIBA and upcoming players, and I almost can't get through the broadcast. Like it's just soul crushingly boring. Yeah, and it's also done in such a strange way where they have these people talking, and they show them talking instead of showing the like. Like why they don't just have anybody have their their personalities talk in the background of a wide shot of the action? Like I don't understand. Like I would just I would like to watch everything they're doing. I would like to be able to see the entire gym from the start to the finish. You know, like I, I, yeah, because because they are doing some like they did three on three, then four on four, and a little bit of five on five at this thing. I mean. I want to see that. I don't really want to see the dudes that are talking like their faces while they're talking, but they do that every year. Yeah. And it's like, they've, they've completely ignored the feedback on that. Cause all I see is fans just being like, show me what's actually happening. Um, yeah. but, but even if you could see that, it wouldn't be all that interesting. Um, Really, well, watching but, the guys do the drills, but some of the numbers that come away from it are interesting. Yeah. And, you know, there were some, say. The tape measure is probably there were the some most numbers that popped. Thing. Yeah, the tape measure for the wingspan for the squad is pretty interesting. Now, you know, some of the 
some of the numbers have kind of come away seeming like they were juiced a little bit. Like I remember the, uh, you know, we're, we're actually coming right up on the break. Let's take a break and then we'll come right back to, well, actually, uh, we'll, we'll just take the break early. Let's do that. So uh, coming away from this, you know, some of the measurements were, were pretty interesting. Now, I, I was saying that some of, the, some of these numbers can be a little juiced, a little, a little high, uh, because like I remember in particular, they were talking about like PJ Washington's vertical leap at the UK pro day a couple years ago. And then he went to the pro and he went to the official NBA combine and measured a lot lower. So you never know what like the context is or like what, what was going on or how do you, how you get your best possible measurement? You know, um, I don't know anything about that. I think the verticals can sometimes be, and, and, and I think sometimes the height stuff is a little bit off because, you know, I think Kentucky's trying to stretch them out, obviously. But I, the wingspans are usually pretty close to in the neighborhood, and, like, even if they're an inch or, or so off, like, the, the, the one number that jumped out today that we were talking about before we started recording um, is that there are seven guys on this roster who are seven-foot wingspan guys or beyond. Um, and so that's huge i mean they're 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 going to be freakishly long i mean we knew that but this sort of validates it um and even if they're off a little bit you know we're talking in the six everybody's in the six let's say everybody's you know take an inch or two off everybody's still you know more than well seven out of ten guys scholarship guys on the roster are you know in the neighborhood of seven foot wingspans um and so the only people really excluded, that's Ashton Hagens doesn't have one. He's a 6'3 point guard. That's fine. He would be like a That'd cartoon character. That'd be Rondo character. territory. Yeah, he'd be yeah. a cartoon character. Uh, Maxi, who's a 6'3 guard, that would, again, you'd be a cartoon character. And then who's the other, who we missing here? Uh, quickly? Uh, yeah, quickly. So the three 6'3 guards are not, do not have seven foot wingspans. That's basically you, you, everybody else, though. Yeah, yeah. You can't have that head over. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know. So then we know Nick Richards was a seven five wingspan guy, but the two here's the two that really stood out to me: Dante Allen, who's a six six wing, had a seven two wingspan, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. the one that the one that really surprised me though was Nate Sestina with a seven two wingspan, like. You know he's listed. I think he'll be listed at six nine. I'm guessing Nate's true height is around six seven and a half. Um, and yeah. so to have a seven two wingspan, like that's crazy. I mean that's that's a basically what PJ Washington was it's, a guy. You know a guy that was about six seven six between six seven and six eight and had a seven three wingspan. That's um, you can you can make up for some lack of of height that way. Yeah, I mean, and for people, this is kind of common sense, but, you know, if you, uh, in the NBA today, you know, it's good to have a plus wingspan. People talk a lot about that, and that's the main reason they're even taking these measurements. It's like, it's going to be helpful in college, but, you know, it just helps you to play above your height a little bit. Like Tyler Hero kind of fam infamously now had had a negative wingspan at the combine, but it's not the end of the world. It's like, it's it's a plus not necessarily a negative like jj reddick is a good example of somebody that had a negative wingspan and he's played a lot of years in the nba obviously and at a high level successfully been a great player one of the best shooters ever um, it depends on your position it depends on what you want to do now if you're like a guy 
who's going to be dependent on a lot of like rim protection flying around things like that you you know if you have a negative wingspan that's not so good <laughs> if you're like yeah. seven foot five and you have a negative wingspan that might be okay but if you're six nine like draymond green is a good example of somebody that has i think he's six seven and he has like a seven three wingspan but you know nick richards jumps out too is just his he he again just yet again fits the just the the insane uh measurements uh, he's just an athletic freak the way he's put together uh, he's got a great center of gravity great elasticity in his body it's like you know 36 and a half inch vertical which isn't bonkers but for a seven footer right. know, that's really really good seven seven five wingspan the amount of ground that he can cover his shuttle was 2.96 and um for sestina another thing is just for him, it, it's it's huge because it's going to just allow him that margin of error. Um, it's going to help him out a ton. Just that that he has that extra bit of wingspan to uh, to help out against some of the bigger and faster athletes that he's going to be playing against. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I think I think of the guys who had, you know, who gained the most at least at least gained the most attention. I don't know if they gained anything in reality, but gain the most attention out of this otherwise kind of boring-ish pro day it would be Nate Sestina um, because of, one, the wingspan, but then, two, you know, if he's going to be valuable to Kentucky, if he's going to be valuable to anybody at the pro level, whether it be the NBA or overseas, he's going to have to be a stretchy guy. And, you know, he shot 38% on over well over 100 attempts in Division One last year, but that was, you know, obviously not the same level he's going to be at this year from three. Um, but he kind of w- went out and at least in these drills lived up to the, the reputation or the, the hope for what he could be. Uh, he made uh, Scott Charlton who does a lot of the video uh, clips has a clip of it. So you can go watch it. Um, he hit nine threes in a row at one point and then he finished 20 of 24 from three in the shooting drill. Um, I think that's, that's big for Kentucky and it may be one thing that we're overlooking a little bit. Um, and you know, I had some people, I, I tweeted just the word stretchy, uh, in response to that video and a bunch of people are like, do it, <laughs> do it in a game. And I'm like, he, he's done it. <laughs> you guys think right. this guy just came out of high school? Like he's, he's like, he's made like, you know, like 80 or 93s in his career in college in division one basketball. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I pulled well, out, some things translate know, and some things don't. Go right. ahead. We'll go ahead and finish. Well, I was going to say when I pulled when I pulled out. I think we talked about last week when I pulled out his stats against high major teams, which he's played like eight or nine of them in his career. Uh, I think it's up well well above forty percent from three against the best teams he's played against. So um, the dude can shoot it, and you know the drill is just sort of an illustration of something we already kind of knew and had been demonstrated in games, but. They're getting a six nine dude with which what I didn't know was a seven two wingspan, who's going to shoot between probably thirty six and forty some percent from three. Um, I don't care where you're playing; that's pretty valuable. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, last year at Bucknell, Sestina. Uh, well, okay, yeah, last year uh, he was. I mean, for a guy that was playing the four, you know, uh, Nate Sestina was. Uh, in the 72nd percentile in, in all of NCAA, uh, about a little bit like a, a point and a quarter uh, points per possession as a spot up player for a guy 
you know, so that's pretty much that's proof that he's done it at the college level, you know, and he shot uh, on spot up shots last year. He was 40 percent. He shot 40 percent. So that's really good. Uh, he was really good around the rim. Uh, the only the only area that he lacks is that he's not really much of an isolation player based on what we've seen um, statistically. Uh, what were, what were some other things that jumped out that we were talking about? Juzang, well, we talked about has a seven one. Uh, yeah, Johnny Juzang as a six six guard having a seven one wingspan. I, he's going to be. <laughs> I've been driving that hype train for a while, but I just I continue to think he's going to be such a huge piece for them because he's going to be the reliable shooter. But also, I think he'll do a lot more. And I, you know, he's talked about he wasn't a good defender in high school and he didn't take it real serious. But he's really, really kind of focused in on that, knowing that one, that'll keep him on the floor at Kentucky and two, it'll get him, you know, it will improve his NBA prospects quite a bit. And if you're that tall at the, at the guard spot and you've got a seven, two wingspan or seven, one wingspan, um, you know, that's, that's a really good starting point at least um, to make yourself a good defender and some of the, you watch some of these clips on the Scott Charlton feed again. I'm, I'm going to say that a lot, but he's it's the kind of the best way to just if you want to do a two minute tour of what happened in the uh, uh, in this workout. I know you'll notice there's at least two I think videos of Johnny's uh, release, and it's um, was it Tyrese Maxey I think that had told me that he he calls Johnny Juzang. Uh, what do you call him? Mini Clay Thompson. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a very kind of clay esque release. It's really really quick, and it doesn't waste a lot of motion, and it's just mm-hmm. very very fluid. Uh, him just catch and shoot threes. Thought that was interesting to see. Um, you know, Khalil Whitney apparently almost broke the vertical measuring stand. <laughs> Uh, he jumped up yeah. and smacked it so hard. Uh, I'll be interested to see when the when Kentucky releases. At some point, they usually um, release out the the entire book that they hand out to the scouts that are there, so we get the full list of everything: vertical leaps, uh, bench press reps, you know, the sprint numbers, the height, weight, all all of that, body fat. Um, I'll be really interested to to really go through that and see what some of these guys measured out at. Um, I don't know that we've seen the, the vertical numbers yet on Brooks and Whitney. Those are the guys everybody says are the biggest leapers and most explosive dunkers. Um, mm-hmm. look like it looked like on the clip of of Whitney about knocking the stand over that he he got way up there on that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are really the things the things that stood out. Is in fact they got seven guys with with seven foot wingspans. They're going to be a really long team. Uh, the fact that Nate for a team that's going to need to fly around, that's, that's huge. Yeah. You're going to need that. Yeah. You go, those guys spread out and get wide and you'll make themselves big. It's, you know, there's not going to be a lot of, not going to be a lot of clear lanes for anybody, um, on the offensive end against Kentucky. Well, it's not a team that's going to like sag back and just put their arms up and, you know, it's, it's not that type of team. So, you know, they're going to need to, you know, create havoc and be switchable and things like that. And if you're going to be switchable, wingspans really help to to bridge some of the gaps that size can can bring if if you're doing that. So, you talked about that in your your video about Shea. I mean, that was like that's like one of the reasons he's about like, Shea. Yeah, why he's such a nightmare uh, fighting through screens and sort of wiggling around uh, screens and still getting a hand in people's faces. Well, it's a uh, it's a game of separation, uh, and you know if you can. Close those gaps that uh, that 
that the good dribble shooters can create through separation. That's huge. So wingspan really comes in handy in that way. So let's take another break and then we will finish up talking a little recruiting. Sound good? Sounds good. One thing I wanted to ask you about, and we're rolling again. Uh, there, there was a lot of discussion about whether EJ, this EJ Tayshawn thing has just sort of had a, a life of its own. One thing that we didn't talk about was the fact that EJ had uh, a vertical leap of 31 and a half. E- we were talking about that. Yeah, not, not, not the best. Not, not one of the numbers that jumps out in a positive way. Yeah, it's not what you would like, but I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, can't jump over a phone book, but it's, it's not the best ever. Uh, but I think people are just drawn to this because A, the left-handed, B, the temperament, they both just have this sort of aw shucks, shy, sort of don't show a lot of emotion and they just kind of look alike a little bit. You think yes. that's kind of what it is? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, and they're very, I think they very much look alike and they definitely have, they definitely just sort of seem alike. Like and they and before EJ put on his weight, I mean he was kind of the same body type, you know, long, lanky. Um, yeah, I mean they're yeah, I definitely see the similarities. The way he, yeah, the way EJ runs, that sort of way he holds his elbows high when he runs and just has that kind of a cruise. I don't know, but obviously, totally, totally different players. Yes, uh, Tayshawn was a world class defender for a long time. Yeah, yeah, under the same roof tonight, Tayshawn was in the building as a scout. Yeah, I think that's kind of what got it going a little bit there. But uh, so uh, there was some really interesting recruiting news, and for for a specific, not not just what happened, but what happened instead of something else? Go ahead and go ahead and explain <laughs> to people what happened. It's a very nice tease. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cade Cunningham is arguably the best player in the class. Certainly, one of the two best players in the 2020 recruiting class, and you know, Kentucky's number one. If they could have anybody on the board, it's him. Um, we've talked about kind of being skeptical that they could pull this off because of the brother that's been hired as an assistant at Oklahoma state and the, and the, the more recent surge of North Carolina and his recruitment, uh, just didn't seem like, and, and to me still doesn't seem like the, the cards are lining up, but then, um, Cade Cunningham, one of the big conflicts and it's the first time this has happened is the team USA, the, the youth, basically the, the, the non men's team, um, USA basketball training camp basically or mini camp is happening at the on the same weekend as madness which has not happened before and so a lot of top players that Kentucky's recruiting are having to choose you know they've you've noticed they've been visiting other weekends uh, and they won't be here for the big basically what is just a big recruiting event madness that they put all this money into um, and it was thought Cade Cunningham would do the same that he would go be with team USA uh, and not here. Um, well, we talked about that on this show. Remember that yeah. that change, there was some worry that that could have a negative impact. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's apparently decided to skip Team USA and come to Kentucky on the visit uh, to Big Blue Madness. That That's a, I don't know, I don't want to say it's a game changer, but it, it is a potential game changer. Uh, I don't know why you would pass up uh, an opportunity that's important to you, like USA Basketball. Um, you know, he just let he USA, already played. Yeah, yeah I was going to say he already was gold medal. Yeah, um, he was the best player on that team, basically. Yeah, and maybe it's that. Maybe it's like that he doesn't need to go prove anything at USA Basketball, and USA Basketball told him, "Don't worry about it." Maybe, um, 
but I think to skip that function and then to come to madness at Kentucky of, you know, if you're skipping that function, you have a few options of where you're going to go instead. And for him to come to madness, um, it feels like it might be a big deal. Um, maybe it's all part of the charade and he's, you know, <laughs> the North Carolina buzz and this and uh, is all part of a charade so that it looks like he really thought about not going to Oklahoma state before he goes to Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, but it's a lot of, that's a lot of maneuvering just to sort of like put on an appearance. To me, it feels like he's going to take Kentucky seriously if he's going to do something like this. So that's, I mean, I don't know what you do with Kentucky if they end up getting Kate Cunningham to go with Terrence Clark and BJ Boston. Uh, yeah. That would be, I mean, the hype would be absurd for Kentucky. The other piece of it, though, is what do you do about Devin Askew uh, if you get Kate Cunningham? You could take you, them both, though. That's you the could, thing. You could you certainly can. take them both. Uh, you could also, I guess, ask Devin Askew to hang out and come back, come the next season because, you know, he's technically still in 2021. Um, it's a good problem to have. I mean, Kentucky's not going to complain either way, but it seems like things are in a great spot with Askew, that they could get him any day. Um, And if they get Cade Cunningham back on the hook, I mean, gosh, I I think Kentucky's backcourt could be just absurd. Um, And and like I said, I don't know how you, you would slow the hype train down if they did pull that off. Yeah, that would it would it would definitely be something and I guess you got to think about the scenario it, I, the scenarios you have to think about are a does Cade Cunningham just not want to play at Oklahoma State does he want is it like to, that he just really wants to play winning basketball because I don't know that they're going to be able to attract enough talent to 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 Oklahoma State to be super competitive in this upcoming season. I mean, they're probably not going to be that good, to my knowledge. So, but also, I don't think that uh, their coach is going to lose his. This is his first year coming up, right? Boynton, yeah, for, for yeah. Oklahoma State. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not. If if Cunningham's in the wings, I mean, that's going to be enough. I bet it's going to be enough for him to keep his job the next year too. So, I mean, this is just Cade Cunningham being associated with this program is enough for him to probably keep his job for three years. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, ultimately I still kind of feel like he's probably going to go there, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't blame the, the UK coaches for, for not wanting to get hung out to, to dry again. Yeah. But I give them, you know, I give them credit because I think all the tea leaves have, have said like you're wasting your time and it seems like Calipari is just refusing to uh to concede you know he's like this is my favorite player in the class I'm not going to give up on him um mm-hmm. so there's you know that's interesting and when Cal goes all in on somebody he's got a pretty good success rate well one thing we're we're I think out of time but we were going to mention wanted to mention PJ Washington made his preseason debut and he's been healing up from that foot injury he didn't Nobody's really seen him. He didn't go to summer league, um, and he, I think, has got Hornets fans excited. It's a preseason game, but against the Celtics, he had uh, 16 points, seven rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block in just 20 minutes. He only missed one shot from the field, and he was three out of four from three. So uh, that's about as good as you could hope for in a an NBA rookie uh, preseason. Uh, announcement of hey i'm i'm in town i think he was i had the best stat line of anybody on that team 
Yeah, I mean, they lost, and the Hornets are going to be absolute just abomination trash this year. But, <laughs> hey, maybe there will be some opportunity for him. Uh, yeah, I they, guess he'll they play just, a lot. Hey, man, a good way to – somebody made a good point that I think is true is uh, people were like, hey, why aren't they tanking? And, I, you know, it's like, you know, giving Terry Rozier a huge contract is sort of a form of tanking. Uh, <laughs> like uh, – uh, it's crazy. Like it, this, this is what, this is all you need to know about the NBA and how hard it is. Like they have, uh, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, Cody Zeller, PJ Washington, Malik Monk, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, like they have a team that would win the national championship by like an average margin of 25 points a game in college. <laughs> and they are terrible. They are a terrible NBA team. Yeah, they just they've drafted worse than that. They haven't made the playoffs since 2012, I think is the last time, maybe 2013. Uh, it's been a long time. They're they are they are really horrible. But PJ is going to get the opportunity to play. I guess that's the positive because uh, I don't, you know, see many. Maybe others. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's it is a train wreck of a of a team. So I I feel bad for him in that sense. But uh, the Hornets. Uh, yeah, well, they stink. So we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch. Kind of try to go through and see if I can pull out any kind of thoughts uh, from the, from the combine. Any kind of additional things, and we'll talk about those tomorrow. Obviously, Kentucky's gearing up for uh, what is hopefully going to be a redemption game against Arkansas, or a uh, or a hang on for dear life game against Arkansas this Saturday. Uh, so we'll be hitting all that kind of stuff this week. Uh, subscribe to the Ringer YouTube channel subscribe to the athletic follow me at j kyle man follow kyle at kyle tucker underscore ath leave us a review say hey we appreciate you listening tell a friend yep all right well we'll uh, we'll catch you next time see you later you are locked on kentucky Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.